Hello and broadcasting from the beautiful central coast okay. of Wait. California. It's the Dr. Death Danger Radio Show! Alright, it is recording. Thank fucking God. I had like trip for a second. I was like, wait, what the fuck? I thought my computer froze out. Oh, wow, we're good. Already off to a great start. Oh, uh, yes. Maybe. I don't know. Alright, I swear I cracked open a cold one, but I don't have a cold one on me. You can pass me a cold one. Do you want a cold one? Yeah, I'll take a cold one. I'll get you a cold one. Give me a cold one. Poor favorite. Oh, thank you for giving me a cold one. And everyone, welcome back to the Dr. Danger Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward. I hope you fools had a freaking awesome Thanksgiving. I had an awesome Thanksgiving for two reasons. One, actually three. One, the food. Two, it wasn't stressful, which I can't say about eh, a couple Thanksgivings normally. And three, the Raiders, my Raiders beat them boys, the Cowboys. Did you hear about that game? The Battle of Santa Maria? No. <laughs> it, was, it was like the Battle of the Refs. Get this. They had the most anal ref team in the entire league. There was 14 penalties on both teams for hundreds of yards. Uh, it was a, I watched the whole game. It was a... It was an emotional it was an emotional train ride, train wreck like most Raider games. Uh 36 to 33 and um Skip Sheffield and Bro, that uh, sounds like an exciting but horrible game at the same oh, time. Oh yeah. Skip uh what's what's that guy's name? Skip Sheffield posted on his Twitter of him crying cuz he's a big Cowboys fan. And then uh what was that guy's what's that guy's name? Um Stephen A Smith posted himself on Twitter laughing. At the Cowboys losing, so it was. Ha, 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 ha. It was. It was. Uh, it was fun times. The Cowboys fans all week have been like, "The refs screwed the Cowboys. We them boys and shit like that." It was pretty funny. Well, I didn't watch the football. I didn't really pay attention to much football. I was pretty out of it. I'm gonna tell you my Thanksgiving. Uh, I went to the, the went down to good friend Bone Steals, mm-hmm. and him and his uh, roommates had a pretty good spread. No turkey. It was uh, some sausage and chicken, but the chicken was good. What about, but a bunch of fucking commies. I don't fuck. Well, you could blame the fucking communists for not doing <laughs> turkey. Actually, my roommates didn't do a turkey either. They did a ham. Oh, what a bunch of what's other than a commie? What a bunch of socialists. I don't know. Communist is funnier. I don't know, a bunch of fucking, I don't know, let's go look up the weird, like, giant spectrum of political ideas and yeah, try to say, I was like, all right, what the fuck are you? What a bunch of neoliberals. Yeah, what a bunch of fucking neoliberals. <laughs> but now keep going. Yeah, no, so it was solid spread. Like, pers- dude, honestly, to do that prep the food, all was good for the most part. Like, there was a solid free green bean casserole. Ooh. You can never get wrong with some stuffing. Mm-hmm. As I said, there was a chicken, but the dude injected compound butter under the skin, and it was a pretty juicy chicken. And. Oh, like actually injected? Like they took one of those like weird little what cooking he said. needle thing? Huh. That's what he said. I was sitting there fucking playing the new Mario Tennis, trying to get all the fucking stages unlocked. So I ain't <laughs> playing through the story mode. You have a Nintendo and- Switch? No, they do. Oh. They did. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to buy the new tennis game so I can fuck up Jake Bone Steel at this game. I, but the first night, he fucked me up. What? That's a lie. Dude, I'm not, I was used to. Jake the- doesn't beat you at dude, tennis. Dude, there was like fucking new bullshit mechanics. Uh, well, yeah, it's a. 
It's a different console. <laughs> yeah, I know. Where it's like, oh, now we got added fucking special bullshit. And it's like, I'm not used to this. I'm used to bare bones. <laughs> and then, yeah, no, Jake was fucking me up the first night. But then, like, I, me and him grinded. I think I did most of the grinding on, like, the fucking story mode. And I actually got comp enough to play the game. And I fucked him up on single player. <laughs> but then we started doing tag teams. And my fucking computer would fuck me over. <laughs> so, fucking, I got... So, Jake was fucking me up on tag teams. So it's not your fault you lost though. It was a schmaz. He didn't actually beat you legit. Oh, uh, he beat me legit on tag teams. No, but that you had a shitty computer though. Yeah. That's a schmaz. Yeah, no, fucking Boom Boom <laughs> is a motherfucker. <laughs> like What's Boom Boom? Is that one of the boos? No, that's one of the fucking Akupas. Oh, oh, oh one it's of the big, Koopa kids? Whatever, yeah, one of the Koopa kids. And he was acting like a dumb fuck on me sometimes. <laughs> Like, for fucking Jake was just like... And there was also Jake where it's like, with fucking doubles, it was easy to fucking play the close neck game. And it's like, dude, when it's one-on-one, -on -one, I can fuck Jake. It's not even fair. It's almost like... It's it's like... I put it as just like, dude, I'm honestly... This is just like, forget it. It's not even fun. It's not even fun. I'm like destroying what an him. Insult. What a berry. Way yeah. to bury. Yeah, Jake. when his tag team's like, yeah, he fucks me up, but at the same time, it's like, I'm here for the challenge. When I wreck Jake, it's like, this doesn't even feel fun. <laughs> I don't mind losing. I'm like, fuck you, motherfucker. I'm gonna get you. Yeah, you know, Jake listens to our podcast now because of Does hot he? or not. Well, because of hot or not. So yeah, get fucked, Jake. Whatever, but I got fucked, so I will admit to that. We also like got splitsies on the new Mario Party game. Which is honestly just... Re was What's just it called? Like Mario Party All-Stars or Super something? Superstars. Superstars. Can you even call it a new one? Because all the stages for me, they're like Mario Party 1 or 2. I don't know. I just know that when I saw that game, the first thing I thought of was um, the way that one guy used to announce Edge for WWE. When you go, the rated R Superstar. The so super, Superstar. So Mario Party Superstars. Super Edge Koopa or something. So yeah, honestly for me it was kinda just laying out, just fucking being a vegetable and playing Nintendo and just talking shit on each other. But I did grab some sick po I well oh, I went to the Croft, which is a sick poutine spot in the packing house, which is the packing house is this fucking food mall. Trill. Dude, food mall is like the sickest thing, bro. You like go in and it's just like a mall, but it's nothing but restaurants. And it's usually like not like there's no chain ones either. It's usually fucking just whatever people came up with and it's like this is fucking awesome. So we went to the Croft, which is kind of like a sandwich and poutine spot. That's pretty. I tight. checked out their like special beer, like beer poutine. Mm -hmm. It was okay. Uh, related to, I like my poutines a little bit more saucy. This wasn't <coughs> have too much sauce. It was like a little like drizzle of crema, a little bunched up of like you know like freaking pulled beef, mm. and then see, I don't like crema. You like, don't like crema, like at all. I'm from crema. Yeah, me and my dad have actually. Had several you have a intense da dev discussions about how much we hate crema and how we're indifferent to sour cream, but we mostly hate it. We just hate crema. Well, yeah, fucking crema, dude. We we hate because of, and I hate talking like this. I really do, but we hate crema because of what white people use it to do to our food, <laughs> our Mexican food, and then sour cream. A lot of again, I really hate talking like this because it's cringy, but what a lot of white people do with our with sour cream is like they make it like the centerfold and base of like a lot of quote unquote Mexican dishes in their restaurants and shit. They make it like the big focal point, but 
no, it's not supposed to be in the center of a burrito. It's not supposed to be right above the meat in a taco. It's fucking sour cream. You dip shit in it. Oh my god! It's like I yelled. It's like I yelled at the missus one time, and I'm being serious about this because she was hey, like, "Cause they're she young was like, and they don't know better." Cause, it's okay. Because I was like, "Cause I, cause, cause, cause," she was like, "I'm hungry, but all I have is some chips." I'm like, "Well, eat the chips," and she's like, "Well, I don't have anything to dip it with." And I said, "You don't need dip for chips," and she responded with, "What?" I said, "You can just eat chips plain." She's like, "Why would I do that?" Because they're, the, you don't need dip for your chips. But then why would I eat the chips? Oh, I was I actually got upset. <laughs> You're like, what's going on with this conversation? <laughs> Speaking of food, I almost done some fun little weird thing about me. I almost unsubscribed for a uh, from a YouTube channel called Chiseled Adonis, who's uh who's a guy that posts, you know, funny commentaries on NFL games. But um I almost unsubscribed to him because um uh he was talking shit on Cafe Dumont. He was like, he was like, he, yeah, he said, um, he said, yeah, because I guess he's from, he's from back east. I guess he's from New York or whatever. It's from fucking New York. But yeah, he was like, man, he was like, man, he was talking shit on the New Orleans. Uh, no, um, uh, I don't know. He was talking well, Cafe Dumont is in New Orleans. Well, that's what I, well, he was talking. Yeah, that's right. He was talking shit on uh, the New Orleans Saints. And he said, man, in Cafe Dumont, uh, beignets ain't nothing. There's, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're no better than a donut you could get on, you know, whatever, some random street on New York. And I was like, them's fighting words, buddy. Those fighting <laughs> Cafe words. Dumont is high. I almost want to go back to New Orleans just for the Cafe Dumont. Honestly, anyone that tries to talk shit on Cafe Dumont are usually a piece of shits. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Well, I don't think he's a piece of shit, but I almost unsubscribed from his YouTube channel. I'm just saying. <laughs> the only one person that was like, because well, we had a trip in New Orleans, and forget, we had like other peeps went and got like beignets somewhere else, and it's like, yeah, no, this is better than Cafe Du Monde, but I'm like, you don't understand the cancer. Here's the thing about the concept of Cafe Du Monde. They're not the best beignets, but when it's fucking two in the morning, <laughs> you got some hot, fresh beignets in this Fried fucking- Fried to order. With fucking half, the, like in a bag- that's like half fucking powdered sugar. So you're fucking shaking that shit. It's like, dude, it's more just the experience in the munchins. Oh, yeah. Bro, there's going to be better donut shops, but there, you can say there's better donut shops. But in the end of the day, it's like, no, I'm going to the fucking spot with the fucking Asian people <laughs> that are making the donuts. The Caslin Asian like donut spots. Why <laughs> are those the best donuts? Technically, no. no. But for me, I think that it's more the experience and they usually they, like they don't fuck around. You know what you're getting, and it's usually pretty solid. Plus, they also got ghetto breakfast sandwiches and a freaking Thai tea. He's not kidding. I've gone with him to several times for when he's gone to get uh, donuts or something in the morning. And yeah, those are pretty much the only donut shops he goes to. <laughs> I'm not fucking around, bro. <laughs> I'm not going in like in our town, Slow Doka, where it's usually a bunch of fucking angry college kids in the fucking shit. <laughs> I'm going to explain the story pretty easy. I one time went up to the manager. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. When I usually go into the, my regular donut shops, I usually ask, hey, if I'm feeling it, hey, you got anything hot and fresh? Anything? What's kind of your freshest donut? And usually I ask, well, our bear claws are kind of like, are usually have been the last ones we put out. They're like a couple hours old, but they're technically the freshest. Obviously, mm. the glazes. I go to fucking Slow Doco. I ask, hey, what's your freshest donut? And the fucking big titty bitch says... <laughs> All our donuts are fresh with a fucking stone face to me. It's like, fuck you. Oh, my God. I'm like, wow, you make me not want to be here. I hate you. <laughs> That's awful. 
like, that is awful. No wonder why you don't go there anymore. I try to never go there. <laughs> like, if someone got donuts from there and it's free donuts, I'm like, fuck it. I'll still eat. It's free donuts. Yeah. Unless I go there. Not for, a first choice. Yeah, no. But believe me, bro, a donut shop just fucking right a spit down the fucking road over <laughs> here. Like, dude, that, like, lady's so fucking chill, bro. Like, I've literally <laughs> gone in there, and I'm like, I get stuff, and, like, she'll fucking throw extra donuts in my shit. <laughs> I'm like, bro, fuck yeah. You think you're gonna get extra free donuts from fucking Slow Doco? No, those motherfuckers aren't gonna do that. With the angry, apparently, big fucking, titty college kids. Yeah, or the fucking, yeah, angry, big titty fucking manager lady telling me, all our donuts are fresh. Fuck you. <laughs> that wasn't what he meant. I was like, hey. You could tell me what's a fresh donut, but like, I guess I fucking am a donut connoisseur or whatever. It's like, you know, trying to munch pizza in New York and stuff. You could go to some lady toity fucking spot, but believe oh, yeah, me, yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to be fine going to the brick and wall. Some fine dining experience with our $40 thin fucking pizza. So paper thin. It's like, dude, no, I could get the fine $6 paper thin slice just over here. Yeah, man. Real pizza. Real pizza is not. I'm pro- This is probably going to sound pretty elitist, but like real pizza is not something that is maybe only a little thicker than like a stack of like 10 pieces of paper. Like the best pizza is when they serve that shit like by the slice on a greasy paper plate. That is some pizza. Yes. That was an awesome pizza. It's like when I got fucking like when we got like awesome. Well, I did a trip to San Diego and we went to a fucking spot. This like actually brick and mortar spot where it's like the. I think the owner the owner is from back east, but I think the thing is like it's cash only. It's a oh. neon sign, two great signs, and we're ordering, and the dude's roasting us while we're ordering. So you know the pizza was awesome. <laughs> and spoiler alert, pizza was pretty awesome. Best pizza in the town. I said it was a really good pizza. <laughs> hey, I went to travel to New York and I ate nothing but pizza. And I got a acquired taste for just eating straight pizza. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just saying, it's like, I I, I now I now know. Sounds good. Yeah, no, pretty solid. I guess we should get ready on actually doing this fucking podcast. Yeah, as I was gonna say, speaking of sounds, uh, we got the new Hot or Not. Yeah, don't worry, son. We'll be back. Let me just get that fucking bumper. I showed that sound bit to my dad, and he was like, hey, that's Paris Hilton. I'm like, wait, what? Because I didn't recognize that as Paris Hilton. He's like, yeah, remember she used to say that all the time. And I was like, oh. But then I paused for a second. Uh, and, I was uh-huh, like, uh-huh. and I was like, wait, dad, why do you know that? And he said, well, you know, we hung out a lot. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Me, her, and Lindsay Lohan all the time, all of them. I'm like, okay. He said, yeah. We made a video together, but I'm not supposed to talk about that. My mom's in the room. She's like, Johnny. So, yeah. (laughs) Hilarious joke. Hilarious dad jokes. It was a little funny. I hate that I laughed. (laughs) It was a a good one. All right. Today, the Hot or Not track is the new Avril Lavigne song, Bite Me. Do you want to introduce? Avril Lavigne. Okay. So, everybody, this is Jake Bonesteel's. This is his wife. Foo. His soulmate. That he hopes for. <laughs> and like obviously, right now, the gentleman, is, of, is, yeah, sorry, the gentleman known as Mod's son is dating Avril Lavigne, and she's like way older than him, but I don't know. <laughs> it seems like a lot of gentlemen are getting very uh, successful dating more famous women. Well, that's what Ashton Kutcher did when he was dating, when he was married to Demi Moore. He was, he was married to Demi Moore? Oh, yeah, for a while. That's a trip. Like for like six or nine years. I thought he was with Jackie forever. 
No, no. Well, they knew each other forever, and I think it was one of those like on again, off again, or whatever's. But or woulda, coulda, shoulda's. But they didn't get together until like 2013, maybe a little more. That's still like seven. That's like eight years, bro. No, no, I know, but still, yeah. But other than that, so yeah, fucking, I don't know. What, what else do you want to talk about, Avril Lavigne? Well, one, this is Jake's waifu. Yes. This is like celebrity crush, celebrity crush or obsession. Yeah. I don't know. He's pretty it's tame. Both. He's pretty tame about it. He's tame about it now. I mean, it could have been worse when he was younger. It was. This is pop punk queen. Yes. She is the pop punk queen. Is she authentically on the like punk side? No, but I do see Travis Barker is playing in the video. So, oh, yeah, Travis Barker is a busy lad. I get you. Well, yeah, he is a good drummer, unfortunately. Unfortunately. How dare he be good? Because Blink-182 fans don't listen to much else than bands that sound like Blink-182. So if you ask most Blink-182 fans, they're just like, Jake. oh yeah, Travis Barker is like one of the top 10 drummers of all time. I'm like, he's top 30. No, he's really good, though. No, he's really good. Like, no, he's got a lot of good swing. And like, he's like, yeah, I know a lot of pop punk drum does have interesting fills. Yeah, I know that could get a little busy, but fucking yeah, no, Travis Barker, you can yeah, say he's the Dave Witty of pop punk. For the most part. And he just jams with all these young peeps. Yeah. So fucking the Travis Barker stamp of approval, which I guess Avril Lavigne now has that. All right, let's listen to this damn song. Hope you guys like the year 2002. She said a bad word. Is this about Jake? I don't know. Wait, cool. We close the door. This sounds like hailstorm. I don't know. It sounds what I think Avril Lavigne would sound bobby. like. No, actually, now this sounds like Paramore. You remember Paramore? Yeah. Yeah. But they're the same era, though. I know that. Sorry to say, the same skater boy. See you later, boy. I've heard this chord progression a million times. Hey, it works. It hey, does work. Steps up. There's a little bit of attitude from an older Avril Lavigne. Attitude. I get him to tell you this in the video. Like Avril doesn't look too much older than she was in her bro, heyday. I'm just saying, if if we see this song live, don't be around me in the pit, bro. When the fuck am I going to go see Avril Lavigne live? Throwing elbows, bro. That would be a special case for me to do that. <laughs> hey, you're the one going to these fucking rock festivals, bro. Yeah, I like rock festivals. I don't know why you do. Well, I know why you don't. I'm older now. I don't care. You're a year older than me. Yeah, I listen to more fucked up music. But you know what? It's nice. You know, song's cool. Yeah. Like, like if you ask me, she's doing justice to, pop, to, to the pop She's punk. doing just fine. It's basically, it's like a song that, I've, that Jake imagines he would write. Yeah. Yeah. I swear, a lot of these hotter listening, not, I'm listening to these lyrics, and I'm bro, just like... Bro, Hotter is turning to us roasting good friend Bone Steel <laughs> in his music taste. That's why I like this segment. Why? So we can just roast his ass? <laughs> hey, yo, where's that new Bone Steel track? Oh, yeah, right. You're going up to Oregon for like a month to demo out a bunch of... Uh, demo out a full length. You see, 
there's always that part in the songs where the music stops and they say something because that want that's what they want the quote to be on the t-shirt well if a song was to fit the purpose of a single i'm sure it does justice we're not going to listen to that again. All right, listeners, I say that was a pretty fine track. It was fine. Uh, that's really all I can say. I mean, you know, when I say I've heard, when I've heard that uh, that chorus for that, dun, 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 I'm like, I have heard that a million times since about the year 2002. But it works. It still works. And it's not bad. I mean, if it was bad, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be joking about the song. If this was bad, I'd be like, man, I hate this. This sucks. But it's fine. She has, man, she's kept her voice like really good. It feels like there's barely any age. No, I talk about Sonos fucking auto-tune or whatever that shit. <clears throat> oh, my God. I didn't have a problem with the auto-tune in the last song. I just, or no, the one before the Kid Rock song. I just said it was really obvious. Well, I can tell you this. For an old elderly artist from like, uh, from a decade ago. Don't call Avril Lavigne elderly. That doesn't make sense. How old is she? Bro, how long ago did fucking Skater Boy or whatever that bullshit? I don't bullshit. care, but she's... No, she'll she's she's gonna look well, like she's, she's twenty two dec- forever. She doesn't look like she's fucking ancient, like fucking Kid Rock. In my mind, she's twenty two just all the time. I'm just gonna tell you right now. I thought this song was cooler than the Kid Rock song. Yeah. <laughs> For especially, do you think that'll piss somebody off? Well, these posers they thought Avril Lavigne was cooler and had more attitude than Kid Rock. <laughs> Seriously, Bosu, like good for Bosu. When I was hanging out with him, was on this huge kick to try to like to make me like Kid Rock. I'm like, <laughs> there's a point. I was like, he's like, dude, there's a. They have a guy named Joe C. He had like a deficiency where he basically looked and sounded like a child. Dude, there's like an Asian guitar player that has red hair, and he like pulls up the Woodstock footage. I'm like, that looks like a white dude in the with the red hair. But yeah, but there's a black lady ripping the drums. Is she still in the band? <laughs> Jake, you're not going to convince James with your, no, with your diversity. I'm like, no, I'm, don't give a fuck about Kid Rock, bro. That's really- But he has attitude. It's like, well, why don't you got this attitude? It don't work it these days. Sure, bro. Sure. Where's your strippers and semi-trucks in your music videos? Oh I think that's God. where you're not in the department. I think he's like trying to convince you to like it. Rock. Yeah, and he pulls up an MGK video, and there's strippers, and I'm like, bro, where's your fucking strippers in your videos? You kind of fucking MGK suck, bro. MGK has more attitude than fucking Kid Rock. Well, it's like, no, he's like, asked me. Anyone these days don't have much attitude. It's like, I think MGK has attitude. Like, yeah, he's kind of a weird, like, coked out dickhead, but technically his attitude. And he's like trying to fuck with like rock fans. And honestly, I'm old enough to go, like, yeah, no, rock fans are kind of dumb, bro. Yeah. Bro, Slipknot is not a gatekeeper band. How the fuck <laughs> did this happen? But dudes think Slipknot's a gatekeeper band. And oh, I remember that, ch- remember that Channel 5 video? Yeah, man, I love Slipknot because they just care about their fans and they're just authentic and they're about it. They live and breathe this every fucking day. Uh, I'm sure Slipknot does care for their fans. Yeah. But everything else, no, Corey no. Taylor does other bullshit. Yeah, he does. I'm like uh, that. Not fest was Corey Fest. His son was the opening band. His wife was the was the was the act after Killswitch Engage before uh uh before freaking um uh, who was the other band that was there? It was the it was those pretty boys from Britain. Um, Bring Me the Horizon, and before Slipknot. The only fucking thing that was missing was uh Stone Sour. <laughs> No, this track gets a hot is what I'm saying. I'm sorry, did the kid rock? Oh shit, thing. right. We, we, yeah, you know, I'll give Avril it a hot. She I'll did give it a ju- hot. For like doing a pop punk song, I could say it's a little cookie cutter. 
Not like, oh, it is. It's extremely, but, but it's not a bad song. I feel like she does justice for it. I don't yeah. know. What, it's better than what Avril Hello Kitty song was. Oh, God, you remember that? Wasn't that the worst? It's pretty bad. And oh, I think man. that might have had her stop jamming music for a minute. I, it was around, I thought it was a little after that. Yeah, she 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 uh, she stopped for yeah, a bit. Yeah, but now she like ditched Chad Kroger for some hot whacked out dude and is playing pop punk again. It's, I guess so. I don't know the time. That's right, she dated Chad Kroger. Bro, that's weird. I thought they were married. I don't remember. You want to remember? What the fuck? How come all the people Jake's like, like are just a bunch of pretty hot rock stars that date each other? I don't know. Maybe that's just what happens with that. Like those are your peers, and that's all you hang around with, hmm. and stuff. Okay. All right. Well, I could rant about Kid Rock forever, but we should probably get into our second feature. Yeah, let's get a second feature today. What the fuck did we listen to? Okay, so this album was called like Love G and the Special Sauce, or G Love and the Sp- and Special Sauce. G Love and which is the name of the group? So I guess this was a self-titled. Yes. Um. Okay. So what from from what I can gather, this band's primary influences are blues, folk, and hip hop. And how do I know that? Because G Love himself, yeah, that's what he goes by. G Love, um, has said he's his- also a Grammy nominee. When I found out too, I was like, this motherfucker. Yeah, the guy's kind of decorated. I've. And I've barely ever heard of him. I felt kind of bad. <laughs> I didn't listen to this fucking record. Well, I get it. We'll get into that. But yeah, but yeah. How did I know that whole uh, folk and hip hop were his primary influences? Because he says his biggest influences are Bob Dylan and Schoolie D, who are coincidentally Schoolie D's from Pennsylvania, like G Love, Small World, and yeah, a little dash of blues. So before we get into the track, I need to say the album started off good to fine and then it just kind of declined so okay like we'll go through yeah just to start that's the only best way to track one is called the things that i used to do i thought the opener was good it's a real hip shaker um the that drum sound instantly transported me to the '90s. Song kind of reminded me of like portions of this album. Kind of like reminded me of like first album Gorillas. Couldn't really like get a beat on the lyrics. I think at one point he said something like he used to swim in the sea like a swordfish. And yeah, then, I can't hear the lyrics either. But fucking. And then at one point he said that thing with the marshmallow. But it was good. I liked it. I gave it a six out of ten. I decided against my better judgment. I decided to conform oh, to yeah, James's. Oh yeah, a cold one. I decided to conform to James's rating system. So we're on the same page. So now, if I say, a well, six, you could have done your point fives. What? No, no, no. Because I thought a seven was a good, but you said you felt a six is a good. So I decided to tone down my range. So now, if I say a six, it, I think it's a good song. Yes. So, just to make our scorings a little more even, I guess. So yeah, I gave this opener a six out of ten. Uh, we, I guess we, now, I wrote here. We now have the official Triple D Radio scoring system. Yes, for me, I wrote down the snare sounds pretty brutal, for the most part. In a good way. Well, if you want to fucking have a garbage slam band, this is the snare tone you're looking for, <laughs> and it's kind of a folky boy. Yes. And I guess this was like, well, I didn't thought I was rapping at first. To me, it's like this is what I imagine Beck sounds like. Funny you mention that about I wrote for about 80 for about five of these songs. Man, this kind of sounds like Beck. 
Like, like, well, Odale, Odale wasn't his first album. It was like his third album, but Whatever. it was released around the same time. It was five out of ten. Okay. I was very subjected. Like, I thought it was good, but it didn't, like, touch me. It's fair. It didn't touch me with greatness. Can you show me where the song didn't touch you? Uh, definitely my penis. <laughs> definitely not my penis, I mean. Track two is called Blues Music. It's relaxing and mellow, and I, this is the first one I wrote here. It reminds me of Orale Era Back. If anyone, by the way, you guys should listen to that album. It's it's really good. I wouldn't call it a one hit wonder for Beck, but because he has good music, but it's it's his it's his best album. From what I can gather, this is a song saying how much G Love loves the blues and folks guys. It kind of stays in one place for the whole thing, but I didn't hate it. I gave this one a six out of ten, but I wrote here. I hope this album doesn't stay in one place forever, like Jay Z's Blueprint. Well, I wrote down for song two, kind of funk, kind of folk, funky, and I guess there was kind of rapping. I think this is where I discovered there was ra- a little bit like he was actually rapping. Yeah, yeah. I'll give it a five out of ten. It's kind of still the same song. It didn't give me a boner. Track three is Garbage Man. And I got my wish. This song actually picked up in tempo. It sounded like some bar rock. It's a toe tap and head bopper. The background music is definitely a blues inspired ditty. And I appreciate that they let the guitars like kind of noodle around and freeform a little bit. Just helped it felt uh kept the life flowing. I, I, I thought this one was actually pretty good. I gave this one a 6.5. So I adopted your rating system. But because I'm the kind of person I decided to keep the 0.5s for me. Don't, and I, you know, I'm not going to do 0.25s and 75s. It's it's solid or 0.5 or bust. So yeah, I wrote down blues rapping. <laughs> six out of ten. The flow was interesting, though. Yes, I give it a six out of ten. We're moving up in the world. Track four is Eyes Have Miles. This song opens up with a drum beat that I swear is like a default drum track on my Easy Drummer software, but it's a mellow one again. Um, but aren't they all pretty much for this record? The bass line is what helps keeps this song afloat. It's an okay tune, but not much to say. I gave I gave it a lesser score of a six. Uh, for me, for song four, I wrote down, all right, this is kind of sounding more of the same. Do I need drugs to listen to this record? Five out of ten. Uh, maybe some maybe some marijuana would help. It was something. <laughs> uh, track five is Baby's Got Sauce. So this sound I wrote here, this sounds like if this song was written as like one step lower in tuning, it could have been an Alanis Morissette song. I'm going to assume this song is about how, I don't know, this girl is into him because he's the because the band's the sauce or I don't know. There, I just know there's a dude in the background going, she got the sauce. Like during the chorus, she got the sauce. I'm like, okay. The flow and the structure was more interesting than the last one. I gave it a seven. I can actually of- hear something while he's going on. Yeah. I thought this was better than the last few songs. I gave this one a seven. For me, I gave it a five out of ten, but remembering about she's not sweet, but she got the sauce. I'll let her since she's got the sauce. I'll give it a six out of ten. That's I was giving it five out of ten. But maybe I should become more brutal because really this fucking album. Oh, no, this is where I started. We're to not get- finally halfway. No, we're not even halfway fucking through. God damn it. This is where I started to get a little more mean. So track six is called Rhythm for the Summertime. This is all I wrote. Song didn't do much for me. This album feels stale. 5.5 out of 10. Uh, For song six, I wrote down the groove was neat here. I thought that like the drums were like pretty like, as I said, the drums might have been busting, but... I'm bored here. Five out of ten. Like, I listened to the drums first part. I'm like, that's a neat groove. Yeah. But then the rest of the song, this is kind of fucking boring. Yeah. Fuck me. 
I'll give it for the group. Five out of ten. I'm being subjective. Yeah. I'm being a fair, fair man with my ratings. Yeah. But there's also my personal reaction where it's like, personally, my own personal taste would be lower, but I'm being fair and subjective. Right, right, right. I'm giving it where it's due. I'm being fair. <laughs> that for sure can be said. Track seven is called Cold Beverage. This sounds like a chili pepper song if Anthony Kadaris actually knew how to rap. Six out of ten. But it's just barely. A six out of ten. See, you said chili peppers. I wrote down this sound like Primus. Six out of ten. You know, there was some Primus sounding stuff. I in must this have been record. The ba- did the bass groove. Bass groove sound primacy. You know, I'm not trying to talk shit, but some of these quirky bands in the '90s, some of them kind of go together. You know, this one, Chili Peppers, back, fucking uh, the one you just said, uh, Primus. You know, there was the '90s were quirky. Yes, yeah, it's something. Track eight is Fat Man. We're not talking about the bomb from World War II or Fat Man from MGS2. This is a song about a fat dude who I think G-Love doesn't like. Like, did you pay attention or listen to these lyrics at all? G, like, G's just talking just mad shit. He's, he's At one point, he's just like, I want to buy a van from a fat, fat man, but he's stuck between the Swiss and ham or something. <laughs> like, he was trying to talk to him, but he was too busy eating a sandwich. Yeah, no, honestly, <laughs> I might give this record better ratings if I had the lyric book. Yeah, I can't hear his flow for shit. Like this is honestly turning into like this is my summary of the record, but like we're gonna continue on. I'm not gonna go full on, but if you ask me, it's like I have a feeling if I had the lyric book, I might be a little bit more nicer on giving these ratings. But I don't have the lyric book, so I don't know like his lyrics subjectively. But I wrote down "Fat Man," so boring. Four <laughs> out of ten. See, I was a little nicer on this one. I thought it I thought it was six, so I thought it was good, but you know. I did write here, nothing on this album makes me feel like I needed to hear it before I died, though. Yes. Cause you know how those bands we mentioned, you know, Chili Peppers, Primus, Beck. I'm not trying to be mean. Those are kind of more interesting than this than this band. Yes. <laughs> Track nine is This Ain't Living. Now, this song I actually really dug. Uh, the music reminded me of some Stevie Winwood shit, and the lyrics are about like being homeless. I think there might have been a guest rapper on this one, but it didn't say on the spot. Really? How credits. did I notice? Oh. <laughs> well, it helped elevate the song a bit. Uh, I gave I only gave this one a six out of ten. It's good, but I wrote here, I'm becoming bored. Bro, and I wrote down for song nine, it, bro, it's been one year Ah, but there's a fine groove. I'll give it five out of ten. Track ten is track ten is walk to slide, and I wrote here. God damn it, these songs all sound the same. <laughs> Not exactly the same. That'd be a lie. But this shit bleeds together, and it bleeds together a lot. And this is when it's set in for me. Uh, I wrote here. I really like what this album tries to do, but I just I can't take it anymore it started a little neat with like some wah-wah strings in the beginning but then it just became like every other song in the album that i wrote ugh 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 5.5 i wrote down for song 10 good groove but dude it's just sounding the same but it's the same fucking shit five out of ten i'm being like fair and subjective but yeah. at the same time i'm just like fucking god track four is i'm like do people like this the guys want awards <laughs> I guess fucking It wasn't so. for this album, I think. You know what's funny? I looked on the reviews for this album on Wikipedia. This album got mixed reviews. There's some other stuff they did that got more acclaimed like reviews. And I'm like, why the f- why fucking Robert Dimitri picked this one? 
for his book. I don't know. Robert fucking Dimry. There's no T in his name. Oh, I thought it was Dimitri. Oh, whoops. Whatever. Dimry. Dimry. Like, I don't know why, but fucking... <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm like sitting here. It's like... See, that's why we're so in the middle. Yeah. It's like mixed reviews. I'm like, okay, you're either going to like this or hate this. Either he's saying something that's really good. Like, his lyrics might be like actual true poetry. Yeah. Or you have to be on fucking drugs to enjoy this. When you're sober driving on the freaking 101, I'm yelling at my stereo, please be fucking over. I'm so bored right now. <laughs> like, like individual songs dissecting it, I'm not, I'll be fair. But as a whole album, fuck me. This is why people should do EPs. Some people. So song 11, I keep going into my damn summary of this record. Yeah. It's kind of inevitable. Shooting hoops. Four words. More of the same. I wrote here, I get it, bro. You like basketball. I hope you can be on the soundtrack to Shut Up and Jam Guiding 2. But your album is boring me and your scores are falling. Five out of ten. For song 11, I wrote down blues rap. Four out of ten. That's all I got. Track 12 is some people are like that. Song started off as like a moody sounding like jam song. It, it wasn't some quasi upbeat bullshit like most of the other 11 songs. And I like but I and I like the slide guitar, but I was still pissed. 5.5. This is song 12. Yeah, I wrote down the sucked three out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> that caught me off guard. You can kind of see I've given up. Track 13 is called Town to Town. Another mellow smoking bar sounding song. I was pissed here because I wrote, okay, God damn it, it's the second to last song and now you want to try something different and change it up. It's only, but it's kind of, but it's kind of boring. It's a three minute song. It feels like six, five out of 10. I thought they did some like weird record skipping sound effects shit near the end of the song. And I'm like, that's neat. But it's a little too late to save you now. <laughs> this was song 13? Yes. I wrote down Please End, 3 out of 10. <laughs> and then the last song is called I Love You. And I'm like, this album has to be fucking with me now. But <laughs> it's it's just G-Love and an acoustic guitar for a few minutes singing. And I'm like, I want to give this due process. I looked at the lyrics. They're fine and all. But like... What was her name? Sinead O'Connor can pull this kind of shit at the end of her records. But like you have a really samey album and like you're going to end with some like acoustic like fucking coffee shop ditty. No, bro. Four out of ten. I wrote the song was called I Love You. And then in response, I love you not. Three out of ten. I gave up on this record. I was so bored listening to this. Like Sinead O'Connor was more interesting it was more, well, I could also say Sinead was just more weird and challenging, but yeah. at the same time, it's like, where the fuck are you going with this? Yeah, this exactly. record was like, at first you go like, where the fuck are you going with this? And then as it goes on, you're going nowhere. You're staying the same. Yeah. I tallied up my score out of a score of 150. It gets an 80. It started fine, but it never got, you know how we talked about, uh, what was it? Presence by Zeppelin and never got out of second gear. This never got out of first gear. It, this this record is just first gear. I liked... You have to be on drugs unless he's <laughs> literally saying some cool shit lyrically. But if you're saying it was met with critical, like, freaking, like... Mixed reviews on release. If it's mixed reviews, then it's in the middle, and it's like, bro, you do not need to listen to this record before you die. There are way more interesting shit to listen to than this damn record. I hate you right now, Lul. 
Actually, I don't. You just, <laughs> this was just a dud. Yeah. Yeah, this album was, and it's kind of a shame because if nothing else, I feel like a good amount of the records that we've been recommended by that book have at least been neat. It's been interesting. Yeah. I don't know if this was some like interesting timepiece that revolutionized some fucking genre or scene of the time period. I've never heard a single person list this list this band as one of their influences. I honestly walked away bored. I said, I was bored. I wanted this fucking album to end, but I, I ain't going to fucking stop. I almost wanted to stop at the list of something else. <laughs> I literally had the album queued up and then once it was done I had some garbage cheesy fucking Eurobeat from the initial D sound super Eurobeat fucking like mix from the super Eurobeat mix I'm like fuck finally something life I actually give a fuck Eurobeat has life compared to a lot of things though yes especially this fucking record oh god Uh, I'm not listening to it again (laughs) me neither you want me to consult the book yeah, what about the book? Okay. What are we listening to next time, if let's, we remember? I always end up, what the fuck are we listening? I always end up halfway through the week going, what the fuck are we listening to? Ed! I almost forgot, because I didn't start listening to this until like three, four days ago. And when you asked me, I was like, what the fuck did we pick? Something about something about G's and sauces. I'm just like, what the fuck? I just went with the name, and I was disappointed. The name... The only thing interesting was his name. G Love and the spe- and spe- the special sauce. It's just G Love and special sauce. And special sauce. There's no the. There's no other words. It's G Love and special sauce. I'm sure it was special upon release. Like, I guess. Here's the thing. If you like folk and blues, and you fucking like getting stoned out of your damn mind, I'm sure this record's awesome. But when you're sober and driving down on the road to try to take notes and take it seriously, I fucking hate you. <laughs> I was very disgusted at the end of this. All right, here we go. Left, right, forward, back, triple D on the attack. The Talking Heads debut album, 1977. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. This is the one with uh, Psycho Killer on it. Tight. All right. Hopefully it's more interesting than G-Love and Special Sauce. (laughs) Well, you know... The Talking Heads were a very quirky band. They were one of those CBGB cats, like with old REM and and uh, I think U2 as well. You know, some of that uh, that quirky, like, new wave, like, almost post-punk well, kind of shit. How's it post-punk in the year of Lord in 1977? Well, no, when- not post-punk, but it was just one of those, like... It, it was just one of those, like, um, I don't know how to explain. It's one of those weird, like... So, wait, is this their debut called 77? Well, it's called Talking Heads 77, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, oh, the 77 has meant the year. Ah, ah. <laughs> we want to make good music in a song format. David Bryan, 1977. Yeah, that guy's kind of a douchebag, but he's really creative. I'm sure douchey creative people are like intertwined sometimes. Oh, yeah. We'd almost need my mom on this on that next episode. She loves that. She loves that band. She does? Oh, yeah. And Talking Is is one of her favorite bands. Well, freaking formed as the, the artistics in New York City by Scottish born David Bryan alongside Chris Franz and Tina Weymouth. Talking mm-hmm. Heads live reputation made them one of the most highly touted bands of the CBGB scene. After being signed by Seymour Stein and his sire label, they recruited ex-Modern Lovers guitarist Jerry Harrison and commenced work on their classic debut album with Tony Bongovi. Bongovi? Bongovi? Bon Jovi? Yes. Because it literally says cousin of bon- John Bon Jovi. Oh, for what? Really? Yo, I didn't know that. Yeah, but here's the thing. The last name spelled out B-O-N-G-I-O-V-I. No space or anything. Huh. Maybe they maybe they simplified it for the band. Yeah, I know, for our dumbasses. <laughs> 
Preceded single, Love Goes to Building on Fire, aroused concern that the band were compromising their sound to gain commercial acceptance, but Talking Heads 77 proved their integrity remained intact. The blistering opener, Uh-Oh, Love Comes to Town, influenced by Brian's affection for 60s groups, saw his trademark straining voice set against France and Waymount's jerky funk rhythms, Bon Jovi, Bon Jovi, Bon Jovi, Bon Jovi, Oh, Bon Jovi, Gobble Go. Initially, <laughs> added psych- psychedelic strings to twist the monologue, Psycho Killer, but the band complained that he had made it sound more uh, like a novelty record. However, tracks such as New Feeling and Don't Worry About the Government with distinctive guitar work, sudden tempo changes, and Brian said to like, fuck, sudden tempo changes? Shit. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> or at least better than fucking G-Love. <laughs> Brian's intelligent disconnect lyrical stands this show Talking Heads has taken elements of punk, funk, and disco and convincingly created a unique sound of their own. Talking Heads initially found top 40 success in Europe. Rolling Stones declared him to be one of the most promising new acts of 1977 alongside Peter Gabriel and this excellent album has continued to influence bands such as Radio 4 and The Rapture and who have kept alive much of Talking Heads' initial creative spirit. All right, sounds interesting. Yeah, doesn't that sound way more interesting than the last record? Fuck, yes. <laughs> and I just decided to read like a passage on air. Hopefully I did a good job. Yeah. Here's here's your audiobook, Dr. Death Danger audiobook. <clears throat> Except I might have read it the too Talking fast. Talking Heads, 1977, as read by... Edward Munoz and James Tyler. So yeah, uh, Disco went for says. Let me grab a timestamp here. Are we ready to talk about our m- 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 main event? Yes. Sorry, I'm just trying to like freaking get more time. As we are, we hit 45 seconds. All right, what the hell did we watch for our main event? What's the meat, the ribeye of our podcast this week? The meat is. Uh, oh yeah. Also, listeners, this far, <laughs> if you ever just want to get to our fucking main reviews, we have fucking timestamps. Shocking. <laughs> We watched Austin Powers 2. Well, it's not Austin Powers 2. It's called Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Uh, the spy who shagged me. This was <laughs> That's a, not uh, a good British voice. <laughs> I don't know what was that voice. Were you trying to uh, do your Italian voice? I don't know. I got this fucking Galagoo, this fucking Bon Jovi over here. Uh, yo, give me a can fucking ma- priest guy. Can you imagine how- I want how- a fucking slice of that boy fucking pie. Could you imagine how different history would be if James Bond was Italian and not British? Hey, yo, bot keep. Give me a dry martini. Shake and not stir or I'll bash your fucking skull Is that in. Italian or just New Yorker? Yes. Yes. Austin Powers too. So we watched the first movie, and I feel like I don't. I definitely think we didn't hate it, but I feel like some of the humor we were just kind of like not so there on. We did agree that Doctor Evil's like the best part of the movie, though. But holy shit, this movie actually stepped up, though. This movie's spoiler alert. This movie's way better than the first one. I was, I like- think. So, film opens up with a big, thick James Bond style theme song. And Star Wars-esque recap text crawl. Same font and color, too. <laughs> Talking about how he was frozen, and now he's happy and married. Or is he? Dun, 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 dun. So we cut to space, where space dudes come across Dr. Evil's floating big boy. Oh, my sweet, gentle Jesus, the astronaut says. We then enter upon Mr. Powers as he's currently busy shagging his wife, oh, Vanessa, wait. from the last oh, wait, movie. Dude, the what? astronaut saw the big boy as it was laying an egg, so evil goes back to Earth. It laid an egg? Yes. I didn't see that part. <laughs> yes. It literally, like, the fucking butt flapped open and an egg-shaped friggin' spaceship launched, or a friggin' escape pod launched out back into the atmosphere. That's pretty good. And then friggin' astronauts go like, so there's a big boy floating around in space. 
Now, Austin and Vanessa, oh, behave. Oh, behave. Oh, behave. So they're currently busy shagging. And he's she's like, what should we do now, Austin? He says, well, how about we shag? So and, once ag- and once again, he says, yes, we're only up to chapter 11 of the Kama Sutra. The, yeah, and I guess like Austin has his own addition to Karma Sutra. But before they can continue, she goes to get them some champagne. But like when she says she's going to get the champagne, she like glitches out and repeats herself. Then he's like, are you feeling okay, Vanessa? And she says, I'm never better. As she crushes a champagne glass in her hand nonchalantly. So then he, um, I, I meant to say he, then he fucks off to watch a movie, but I wrote brunches off. All right. He so off Austin to brunches off to watch a movie. He gets to play with a freaking remote controller, but but it gets uh, I guess is fucking with Vanessa because yeah. she's like fast forwarding, repeating lines, uh-huh. muting her. <laughs> and so he's like, "Are you all right?" And uh oh, Spaghettios, she's an evil fembot like from the last movie. Oh, so she's got gun boobies and starts blasting at him. I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, it's never really explained, but she was a robot the whole time, you guys. At least that's what they said in the second movie. So she goes to attack Austin, 142 over in deposit, and... Oh, shit. Sorry, I forgot I wrote that there for my for my, for my my closing the other night. <laughs> um, So, uh, Vanessa attacks Austin, and after a quirky shootout, she just explodes. Yep. I, I forgot why. I just know that she explodes. I just know I just have remote love gag, remote gag, loved it. And Austin is blasted by gun titties. He has to, he gotta save his penis pump. <laughs> That's right. And yeah, then yeah. Vanessa like sets up a bomb and blows up. And Austin is in, like, Austin checks that his cock's intact and it's still intact. And then freaking through the dialogue of beauty of monogamy, he like says through the beauty of monogamy, he realizes he's single now. Yeah, yeah. I wrote down, oh, behave. And then Austin, with the opening credits, dances around the hotel nude. Yeah, it was it was funny, too, because he like held her severed hand in his hand. He's like, I can't believe Vanessa, my one true love. But then, yeah, he's like, wait a tick. That means I'm single again. Oh, behave. Oh, And then, yeah, what happens next is just what you said. A naked Mike Myers is running through this hotel. And, and his fucking penis freaking chest hair, it actually connects to his bush. And if you thought there was penis jokes in the last movie, well, to be fair, they only really do it for this opening scene. But yeah, well, no, there's still penis jokes, but still. Come on. He's he's, he's awesome powers. Dude, his fucking... Freaking chest and gut hair is shaped like a fucking dick. And it actually connects to his bush. That's dedication. That is dedication to this fucking character gimmick. Oh, and by the way, so um, so his quirky theme song's playing as he's dancing around the credits. And this segment goes on for like, uh, I don't know, minutes? Maybe days? It's the opening credits. Weeks? I don't know. It went on for fucking years, man. And then there's a moment where he starts doing synchronized swimming with like these like women. Yeah. And then it's at the awesome end of powers it, being wacky. And then he emerges from the pool in his blue suit, and the movie in the movie begins after seven and a half minutes. Then we see Jerry Springer. Yeah. So at NATO in Guam, a dude is watching surveillance footage, but then he switches the surveillance footage over to Jerry fucking Springer, and not just like an episode, like a filmed bit for the movie Jerry Springer. He says, "Welcome back to Jerry Springer. Today's subject is my father is evil and wants to take over the world." And so far the guests on there are what I can only describe as a Nazi, a KKK Klansman, a Slayer fan and Luke Bryan and then out comes Seth Green. And then after a bit Jerry brings out 
Dr. Evil. I just wrote down Scott's looking like a mall goth and evil is here. I wrote this later, but I'll say it now. I wrote here, Seth Green looks like Rob Dukes around this time. He has dyed colorful hair with tips. He's looking like a mall goth. He's looking like a mall. Dude, Robert, is Robert Flynn the best mall goth you Now, here's saw? the thing. Is Scott's character like 20, like in his mid-20s? I assume so. Oh, no. We could do that math later. Later. It doesn't get into the plot. Um... So yeah, uh, he comes out and he goes to Scott. He says, "Hello, Scott. Hello, Scott. Daddy's back." Seth asks, "Why'd you run out on me?" And Evil says, "Well, the truth is, you're not evil enough. You're quasi evil. You're the diet coke of evil." <laughs> then the Klansman starts talking shit, and then Doctor Evil is like, "Listen, no one talks to my son that way." And then he like, "Well, here's the thing. Before you go, I would just know like Scott's denial, and he just hear Evil's like Scott." Throw me a freaking bone over here. <laughs> Throw me a freaking bone over here. I love his voice, man. You know, I just, I actually found out that his evil, his doctor, his doctor evil is like his like co-host from like freaking uh, Garth from freaking Wayne's World, whoever that character, whatever that actor's name is. I thought Dr. Evil was played by Mike Myers. Well, no, it's played by Mike Myers. Oh, you mean what's based on? What's based on is like that care that dude, who is that actor's name? Uh, I don't remember. Whatever the dude His that was co-host. Uh, yeah, the dude that yeah. was Garth and Wayne's World. That he took that character from him as he was doing an impression of Lauren Michaels, the main dude of SNL. Oh, well, that's so. Neat. I guess it's a Lauren Michaels impersonation. I don't care. I just know that Doctor Evil is like is like my is like so far my favorite voice in all the films we watch. Besides your <laughs> besides your impression of Steven Seagal. My impression of Steven Seagal. Yeah. <sighs> well, because I actually tried to like imitate it, so I was like. My name is Steven Seagal. <sighs> so I want to I listen before I continue on. I'm saying I think a great idea for an episode would be <sighs> I'm saying a great idea for an episode is if you speak in nothing but Steven Seagal voice and I speak in nothing but Dr. Evil voice. That won't get annoying for two hours. <laughs> but yeah, so and what then motherfucking money. You take my fucking money. It's like a Fucking around. Hey, you can't break into my truck. You can't break into my truck, man. <laughs> I'm Steven Seagal. Yeah. I beat up my north. Yeah, motherfucker. I sit down and drink whiskey and smoke cigarettes. I'm a blues man. <laughs> I, I don't drive. Okay, so then, um, so then Dr. Evil's confronting the Klansman and then censored, he calls him a motherfucker and fights him. Yeah, so Dr. Evil's fighting a KKK Klansman. And then they get pulled apart. They fight again. Seth Green is calling the guy is calling the guy a, a fucking loser or whatever. And then after they get pulled apart again, Jerry Springer's like, hey, get this weirdo off the set. And then Dr. Evil starts fighting Jerry Springer. They take it to the ground. And at one point, Jerry Springer starts biting his leg. And then Dr. Evil at some point ran off stage, grabbed a globe, looked in the camera and went, the world is mine. The world is mine. They like pauses. And then he hits Jerry Springer in the face with it. I left more with this one segment that I think I did the entire last movie. This was great. I think we're off to a good start. <laughs> this was great. So Austin is driving and gets a call from Basil Exposition. Basil Exposition. He asks, Hello, Austin. How was your honeymoon? And Austin goes, well, It turns out my Vanessa was an evil fembot. And he says, Yes, we knew all along, sadly. You knew all along? I was like, Bro, what? That's not cool. You can't let a homie dick down a murder bot like that, man. That's not looking out for your boy. Oh, and also, you know, his life could have been at risk. But you got to look out for the homies. Whatever. This is where I laugh because, like, Austin's driving 
The Shagwar, I howled. Oh, I didn't catch that. Yeah, his, his car was that on the license plate or something? Yes, I didn't notice. He's just driving his, his car is called the Shagwire, and then like freaking Basil gives him information that he's got he's about to do a photo shoot, and one of the ladies is like one of Doctor Evil's agents, assassin agents. Yeah, it's for uh, it's like you said for a model shoot. It's this gal named Rebecca and a Russian gal named Ivano Hump a lot. Ivana Hump a lot. Ivana Get it! So Austin pulls up. Austin pulls up Brett Michaels, which I swear I feel like I wrote that line in the last movie, and takes a shitload of photography. Are we photos. ever forever cursed of like pervy men taking photos of women and just go like it's, he's acting like Brett Michaels? I just associate pervy men with Brett Michaels now. <laughs> I think we fucked ourselves. <laughs> so then he's telling them he starts making them pose and then act like animals and then create this, this is a direct quote he's like he's, you know he says like okay rawr, you're a tiger, rawr, the ti- you're a tiger. And then at one come point on say, give me a tiger and then at one point he says okay you're creating an intersecting connection of tunnels like the Viet Cong I'm like what <laughs> he's just making these model ladies of fur coats do weird shit and he starts doing weird shit I'm not even taking I'm not even taking pictures of you I'll have the camera pointing backwards it's like crazy. He says something like that. Crazy. Then after they're done, Austin propositions Miss Hump a lot and she's seemingly down. And then we cut This was great. This is a great visual gag. We cut to Dr. Evil's headquarters, which is in the Space Needle in Seattle, Washington, with a giant Starbucks sign. I sent that picture to good friend Moira, who lives in Washington, and she felt the need to have me tell our big, thick audience that, in fact, in the year of our Lord 2021, the Space Needle does not, in fact, have a big Starbucks sign. So there you go. Shout out to you, Maura. Hey, this was in the year of our Lord of 1999. Might have a different story. So speaking of Starbucks and the 90s, number two from the first movie is, by the way, he's alive now. Yes. And then he says, and this is funny in a a terrifying way to think about. He says, Dr. Evil. He says, I believe we should invest in Starbucks and it would expand our profits fivefold because Starbucks is serving coffee worldwide. I'm like, damn. Starbucks is serving coffee worldwide at affordable prices. And I wrote down, now that's evil. Because I know you're not, I know your coffee's overpriced. <laughs> yeah, it is. This is like, come on, Starbucks is bullshit. And he's telling me they have affordable prices. That might be the most evil comment out of the whole movie. Maybe compared to 2021 prices in the year 1990, I think this came out in nine, actually. Uh, I, I think I checked here. Yeah, this song, this movie came out in 99, but you have to figure this script was written in probably 1998. So, so. the screaming lady who I eventually learned her name way, way later in the movie is in a lesbian romance with some unibrow lady. Who? Yeah, yeah bro? <laughs> her, her name is, the woman's name is Unibrow. That's how she introduces her. And she's a big buff woman with a unibrow. You have no idea how much I laughed at that when they did that gag. I was upset that I thought it was that funny. What? I thought it was funny. I was like, okay. This is my partner, unibrow. Unibrow. (laughs) With a unibrow, bro. And then we're introduced a very awesome character. Oh, yeah. So one of the most memorable freaking things in this movie. um, Because Scott didn't pan out. Yeah. Unlike Dr. Evil. So they decided to clone Dr. Evil. Number two says they've been working on cloning. He says it's an they create an exact replica that's one eighth the size. It's mini me played by that dude. I just know he's just sitting there. It's like, oh, my God. So awesome. I shall name you Mini Me. 
He's wonderful. He's wonderful. I shall call you Mini-Me. <laughs> and then Evil expl- and then freaking Evil explains that Austin wins his battles because he has Mojo. Seth Green's like, is you sure it's because you never kill him and you get the chance and you're a big dope? And then, yeah. Scott, you just don't understand. <laughs> We don't you need just that don't Scott. understand. You should don't understand. Then Doctor Evil elaborates, like he says, Mojo, so uh, his libido, his libido. So I built something called oh, a, a time, time machine. machine, and using the time, time machine, machine, I'm going to go back in time to steal Austin Powers' mojo. And then Seth Green goes, "If you have time, if you have a time machine, just go kill him while he's on the crapper." And then Doctor Evil goes, "How about no?" <laughs> Which is another one of his famous lines. How about now? Dude, is all the famous shit in this movie just the bad guys? Because cause, cause Me's introduced in this movie. Dr. Evil's great. And um, uh, we meet another famous character from this movie later, also played by Mike Myers. Yes. So it's like, is is the best thing about Austin Powers not even Austin Powers? <laughs> oh, yeah. But then fucking this, you might, I don't know if you thought this was funny, but then he's telling Scott, zip it. Zip it, zip. Yeah, they brought back the zip it jokes from the but first one. He just kept going. Zip. There were some funny ones, zip. I'll admit. There was like, there was like, zip, zip, zip. It was like hey, hey, why don't you go on to website www.zip.com? He had a couple good ones. There's a couple good say. ones, but just kept going and going yes. and going. And I'm like, fuck. And eventually he's like, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to travel through time, so I bid you adieu. Then he jumps through the portal, but the little swirling transport effect is just like a cardboard cutout. So he hits it and he just tumbles to the floor. It's funny because he's wearing a fat suit and shoulder pads. So he just tumbles like a fucking brick. Uh, but then, um, I don't know. So that's why. So eventually, him and Mini Me jump through. He's going to the year of 1969, two years after Austin Powers was frozen. He meets a young number two and the evil German lady who looks exactly the same. Yes. That's the joke. So he gets to... I it, just wrote down out loud. I was like, huh, no, Rob Lowe's number two. And then laughter of the volcano layer. Yeah, he gets his evil volcano layer in a volcano with his face carved in it. And then they did a lot of evil laughing again, like from the first movie, which wasn't funny in the first movie. Back with Austin and uh, I want to. Austin claps. It's hand. Ivana. I know, but it's... Yeah. Austin claps his hand to start a fire. And then she asks, when did you get the clapper? And he says, November 1964 on shore leave. So I did the math. Happy 57th, uh, 57-year anniversary to getting an STD, Austin Powers. Uh-huh. Shout out. So she says, do you want to know how we stay warm in Russia? He says, oh, I bet I can guess, but we play chess. Okay then, baby. So I, what happens for the next like minute, I can only describe it. It's like they're playing as- chess, and then Austin just like somehow seduces her. Do I make you horny, baby? No, that's not even... They fuck this chessboard. They're they're fondling every piece. They're putting them pieces in their mouth. And just... I felt weird and uncomfortable watching it. Yeah, so I guess I wrote down seduction over chess. They molest this Bro, chessboard. I watched this movie a week ago. I'm a little lost on details. I watched this movie uh, over the last few days. 
So eventually, yes, um, she says, I was sent to kill you by Dr. Eve. I can't do a good Russian voice. I was sent to kill you by Dr. Uh, Evil, <laughs> but I find you so sexy. Make love to me. So then he- The Russian Boris, a kvass, a cigarette. So then he opens his shirt to show her his penis-shaped chest here. She says, hairy, like an animal. Then Austin goes, go, baby, go. Make love to me, you monkey man. <laughs> that was funny. So then we get shot to Dr. Evil as he introduces a very, uh, very yes. another like a uh, character, so iconic character of the series. So after they totally shag you guys, it totally, sh well, they're like in the process yeah. of shagging. He was, ex so Dr. Evil's explaining his plan to steal the mojo. He has a spy in British intelligence. The other famous character in this movie, fat bastard. A big fat Scottish guy who, in his opening scene, because bro, he, this is the Shrek voice. No, I was I, I didn't realize that till his next scene. But yeah, it's the Shrek voice. You know why I didn't recognize it? Are you why I did recognize it in his second scene? Because in his second scene, he says donkey, and I was like, that's fucking Shrek. Uh, no, when he started talking, I'm like, that's the motherfucking Shrek voice. Apparently, he used the voice in another movie, too, but nah, it's the Shrek voice. Yeah, it's voice. this one. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. He said this in this movie and then a movie before this one and also in Shrek, but it's the fucking Shrek voice. But yeah, Fat Bastard. And in his opening scene, after some British dude's like, lose some weight, for God's sake. He goes, lose some weight. I ate a baby. The other, other white meat. That's the kind of character we're dealing with. Yes. There's and he, a lot of him talking about eating babies. Yeah. And he uh, walks around everywhere with kilt and bagpipe. He drills a hole in the fro in the frozen ice thing because he's in the room where Austin Powers is frozen. And uh, yeah, and he uh, pretty much where the penis is and he extracts the mojo. He extracts the mojo. And then while Austin Powers... Was had, was trying to shag Ivana Ivana Hump a lot. He like stops and realizes, baby, I lost my mojo. Yeah, he goes, crikey, I lost my mojo. Yes. And then we jump to him and Basil in like a giant like friggin' hangar as he's getting set with a time machine and getting exposition yeah. dumped. Basil Basil tells him because Austin's trying to figure out. Wait a minute, if I'm going back to when I'm frozen in time, then how can I be here? And then Basil says, "Oh, don't worry about this so much, Austin. Just just don't just, worry about this so just much, go Austin. back to the '60s and have fun and try not to think about it too much." Then he looks in the camera and he goes, "That goes for you lot as well." <laughs> basically doing the mystery science theory thing and telling us to chill bro it's just a movie so the, by the way the time machine he gets is just a Volkswagen bug that works like the Mandalorian from Back to the Future so so after crashing give me the DeLorean what you I said say? Mandalorian that's what I said the DeLorean you said Mandalorian no no I didn't he said the Mandalorian from Back to the Future I'm like no, oh, wait, what? No, I when didn't. When we start talking about Star Wars. No, I didn't. I Do promise. I need a fucking pause? No. No. For some reason, we find a lot of shit to talk about with Austin Powers. So, no, we don't need to take more time. Yeah. So, he freaking, like, sets up and goes back in time, and he, like, shows up in his freaking... His party pad. I assumed that was his house. Yeah. So well, I there's guess a swinging party going on. He's got a swinger. He's got a swingers party going two years after he's been frozen. And he meets a lady there named Robin Swallows. Maiden named Spitz. Okay. Well, which is it, baby? Spitz or Swallows? Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm like, he didn't have to. Well, whatever. So, yeah, some blonde gal is watching Austin from afar, and she goes and to And you're him. like, oh, no, maybe she'll play an importance to the plot of the story. And I was like, holy shit, that's Heather Graham. What was Heather, what was Heather Graham been in? Um, Well, she's. I think she was in that movie Killing Them Softly. Uh, she oh she was she was the gal that um, I think Ed Helms's character slept with in Hangover. She was the stripper. Okay, was that Ed Helms that did that or Ed? I don't remember. She's been in some stuff. Uh, she's yeah, also she's been really in this movie. she's also really really hot. Uh, did you know there's a romance author uh, with the exact same name Heather Graham, but they're not related. Hmm. Yeah, small world. So she goes to tell Austin that Robin works for Doctor Evil. And then a few seconds later, Robin gets Austin uh, into position to have an assassin show up to like throw a knife at his back. Right. And then she signals him. And then they they homage that shit from Goldfinger in the opening where like Bond saw the reflection of the attacker in the lady's eye, which I'm not even sure if he could actually do that. Yeah, that depends on lighting. That's all circumstance. It's doable. It's doable. But there has to be a lot of circumstances. I think they did that in The Spy Who Loved Me, too. But so, yeah, but then she gives a signal and then Austin spins her around and the blade goes in her back. But she's not dead. She goes, prepare to die, Austin Powers. Then yells at her henchman, get the machine gun. So he grabs a machine gun and fires away at Austin, who grabs Robin again and uses her to take the bullets. But she's still not dead. Nope. So she yells, get the bazooka. So he grabs a fucking rocket launcher and Austin grabs Robin again to shield him from the blow and the blow blasts him out a window and she's still not dead. And she's like, the fall will kill us both, Austin. So then Austin grabs her to cushion his fall and she's still not dead. (laughs) There's a deleted scene too, where like freaking a little later in the movie where I guess the assassin shows up. And freaking like they pull her out. They pull out Robin out of the trunk of the shag wire to block the blow. What? Oh, why'd they delete that? Oh, no time. That's true. (sighs) So they're driving down. All these movies these days has to be fucking endgame and be like three hours long. That's true. We don't need that. I'm fine with this being an hour and 30 minutes. It's like, hey, 20 minutes. It's like, remember, is this movie kind of short? Uh, to, I think by the time the credits roll, it's about an hour 20 some. That's average time for a comedy. So they drive. Oh, by the way, um, Heather Graham comes to the rescue and we learn her name is Felicity Shagwell. I want to remake this movie as like a gritty American reboot and change her name to Felicity Felicity uh, fuck good. I think that work really good. Be a big I'm sick of the- Shagwell. So they drive down the highway. To- Shagwell. So they drive down the highway to the English countryside. I know because it says so on a sign. And Austin Power says, you know, it's amazing how England looks in no way like Southern California. <laughs> that was funny. I swear, dude, these Southern California road shots. Yeah, it's man. like us. We were talking about fucking. Um, I know what you did, did last, last summer. Uh, yeah. Or it's like, yeah. So they're out in fucking whatever New England, California road shots. <laughs> New England, California, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then um, they begin to become, begin to become, they get followed in a car, by someone in a car, right? Um, and I thought the person driving the car who then tries to shoot them looks kind of familiar, or his Fez did. I'm like, what? Uh, and then, But then I realized, oh my God, that's Will Ferrell and Brownface again. Yep. The character Mustafa. Yep. Mustafa's return. So he tries to gun down Austin Powers, but Felicity is able to shoot out his tire and then Will and sends Will Farrell careening off the road. But Will Farrell climbs up and, and they have a fist fight. 
And then after disarming him, they try to interrogate him. And the whole gimmick of this joke is, because uh, he's like, who sent you? I will never tell you. Who sent you? Go to hell. Who told you? It was Dr. Evil. And it's like, what? I can't stand to be asked the same question more than three times. It annoys me. Okay. It annoys me. <laughs> so something like that. So then they, so then, yeah, that's the whole gimmick. Then they do it again. But they like do one thing where he accidentally rephrased the question. It's like, no, then you start asking a new question. Yeah, yeah. But then it doesn't even matter because then evil German lady is like walking on the road with like a baby carriage. Yeah, with fucking little mini me in there. And then like mini me shoots him off the fucking cliff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they do get out of him that he's in the volcano lair, in a volcano lair, but they couldn't get the location. And then, yeah, he falls off the edge after getting shot with a syringe. And then we get the same gag from last movie where we just hear Will Ferrell's voice. I'm in voice. terrible pain and both, but I believe, and I believe both of my legs are broken. Here, let me try to stand and say, ow! <laughs> yeah, the bones ow. break. Oh, that was my right leg. Oh, that did not feel good. Let me try my left leg. Oh, oh no. And then Austin Powers just like, sorry, and just walks away. Sorry. Can someone please come and help me? I'm in serious pain. Oh, then we cut back to Dr. Evil where Fat Bastard shows up, and then this is where I wrote, holy shit, that's just the Shrek voice. Yep. The mini the Mimi comes in and tries to bring uh, Fat Bastard the money, but Fat Bastard's like, hey, I'll make you a deal. You could keep your money. But because he's because he thinks uh, he he says Mini Me looks a lot like a baby, so he's like he's like I want to he's like I'll eat that baby, get in my belly. I also wrote down at the lair, fat bastards talking, needing to take an take an emotional shit. What? That's I guess he was talking past like I need to take a shit or something. <laughs> well, no, he said, "Where's your crapper? Where's your crapper?" I, he just said he I thought he said he had to take an urgent shit. He was going. To, he was saying it was emotional shit, or at least I, he was describing that shit with emotion. Is this like Maniac Cop? Did we watch two different movies again? I hope the fuck not. <laughs> so, um, but either way, he's like trying to like eat. Like he's trying to like convince him to eat mini meat, and he's like, "Come on, get in my belly," which is one of the iconic lines from this movie. I'm pretty sure. Yes. And then yeah, so then I'm going to eat ya. And then Doctor Evil is stoked because he has Austin Powers. Uh, he's no longer a threat because he has his mojo. Then he like drinks Dr. Uh, Dr. Austin Powers' mojo. And I'm gets like, so he's drinking his fucking cock juice. And then gets overwhelmed by the horny. And he looks at the screaming German lady. And then they throw on Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. And then, like, everyone in the friggin' lair leaves. Yeah. And then German lady pops out of the ground with a friggin' chillin' bed. And extensions to her hair more obvious than Brett Michaels. Yes. And then they get it on. They totally have sex, you guys. They totally, sh they completely shag, you guys. Yeah, they completely shagged, you guys. So then, Austin Powers, ah, fuck, every time I want to say Austin Powers' name, I want to say Austin in the Doctor. Power. I keep wanting to say in the Doctor Evil voice. Just do it. Austin Powers. Austin Powers. So then Austin Powers goes to where he's frozen and takes some pictures of himself and calls himself a sexy bitch. And then they bounce and go frolicking through swinging London, including trying on clothes and fucking with Scotland Yard security. Eventually, they find a restaurant to chill at, flirt for a bit, and then dance to Burt Bacharach and Elvis Costello, who I'm pretty sure was fit like 15 years old in the year 1969, but whatever. Yes. Oh, no, wait, yeah, no, never mind, because uh, ba uh, Basil Exposition told me not to worry about it. So. Yeah, don't worry about it. And I just wrote down Bacharach's back. Back to back, Bacharach. I hope Bacharach shows up in the third movie. Yeah. 
I'll be di- very disappointed. So I, was, they, I actually kind of popped up like, oh shit, they brought in Bacharach <laughs> again. That's hilarious. And Elvis Costello, who for some reason my mom hates. So they well, did. He, lo- he has a very hateable face. <laughs> Elvis Costello? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen those fucking mutton chops? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say, like, I, don't, I haven't listened to his music, but he has a face of someone that you want to hate. Not going to lie. So they dance, and then back with Dr. Evil, uh, he's trying to talk to German lady, and I guess things are weird now between them. He's like, hey. Hey. Oh, hello. Uh, he's just like, how are things? You just, are you taking a break? You know? And then they, they decide, he's like, are things, did things get weird? We sure we wouldn't get things weird. I can't let my feelings for you interfere with my plans for world domination. <laughs> Shit like that. Was there and something then, about Hot Pockets? <laughs> I just wrote down evil talks to screamer over hot pockets. No, she's trying to cook hot pockets. No, he's he's like he's like he's like. Have you had? He's asking if you're on a break. He's like, have you had a hot pocket? Have you ever had a hot pocket? They're really good. They're After really good. He says, and then Scott appears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, like we can't not not have Scott be Doctor Evil's foil. And he's like, Scott, what are you doing here? He said, well, I thought we could work this out because you're my father. He said, your ship has sailed, Scott. Ship has sailed, Scott. I'm trying to make up for time because my fucking nose scrolled up again. <laughs> I just know, like, now we're back at Austin's shag pad and he's looking over, like, pictures and he finds where the ejection shot was, where his mojo was stolen. But then now, like, I think Shagwell asked him to, like, Austin, give me one of your famous sensual massages. And he's like, okay. And he's, like, trying to. He's like, believe me. He's toast in the Shagwell. But he doesn't have his libido. Yeah. Here's Mojo. So he's trying to... So res- he can't really get a boner. So he... So he tr- can't really shag Miss Shagwell. And he's also... I think it's implied he's also scared that he won't be able to perform in bed. So he's trying to resist her. But the problem is Felicity Shagwell is played by Heather Graham, which is very difficult yes, to do. And like freaking he's able to touch uh, Heather... What was it? Uh, Heather Graham. Yes. So like... Do you think Mike Myers liked this movie because he got to touch hot women that were, quite frankly, out of his league? It's not a bad rule. <laughs> Fuck, who knows? Maybe Mike Myers did have sex with Heather Graham. <laughs> I mean, you never know. You, know. you never know. All those Hollywood types, they all know each other and they all bone each other. It's like some weird form of like unofficial incest over there. Yes. <sighs> so, but Austin eventually like tr- denies her advances yeah. because he can't get a boner. And Felicity gets he a call have from his mojo. Felicity gets a call no from libido. <laughs> I just want to be no, He's got he's G without the special sauce. Uh, Don't uh, worry, Doctor Evil uh, didn't say that. I hope to God not. <laughs> Don't listen. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> So when Austin so, visits yeah. his frozen corpse with a with depression, yeah, that's all I have. Well, that what happened that happens uh, after um, that happens after Felicity gets a call from Basil. He instructs her not to get too close to Austin, and she needs to plant a tracking device on Fat Bastard by any means necessary. And it looks like a butt plug. So I wrote here, my mind is only going in my mind, and she he keeps stressing by any means necessary. So my by mind any means necessary. So my mind was thinking it's going up his butt somehow. Spoiler alert, I was right, and I really wish I wasn't. Spoiler, Austin visits his frozen corpse with depression. You were so virile, a swinger. Now you're nothing. At least it can't get worse. And then we cut to naked fat bastard and Heather Graham after, I assume, very greasy sex. Because they made fat bastard look really greasy, and on the side of his bed, a huge spread of freaking random foods. 
opera, my stomach was churning unpleasantly. Well, this is the time he's also talking about. I was like, yeah, look at my titties. And it's like, oh, I'm sexy. Oh, I'm dead sexy. He's got like pieces of turkey lying on him and his. Ah, it was gross. And he like goes over and grabs some food and if like, like freaking Shagwell like sticks the fucking probe up his butt. It's like. It's like, he says something like, oh, aren't you frisky? Oh, aren't you a little frisky? Come over here. And you just hear her just scream. Oh, I was a row here. I row here. That's the kind of foreplay good friend Bone Steel would love. Yeah. Someone sticks something up his butt. So Dr. Evil is discussing his plan. He put the laser on the moon. I put the laser on the moon to destroy Washington, D.C. I call it my a Death Star. And Seth Green laughs. I just wrote out Scott then is being Scott. Yeah, he's like, why are you laughing? Seth goes, oh, nothing. Darth. Fun fact. Oh, TV, nothing, Darth. TV Tropes has a trope called the Darth Vader clone, which basically the idea is like, you know, someone like, say, Dr. Doom from Fantastic Four. You could be like, oh, that's a Darth Vader clone, that kind of thing. Uh, did you know that there's also one for, um, you remember Gundam? There's also a Char clone. For reasons you can assume, but funny enough, Char himself is considered a Darth Vader clone. Isn't that neat? That's it's, neat. It's, it's mostly the helmet. Yes. How dare it's shaped cool, like how dare it's cool like, antagonists, <laughs> usually not the main antagonist, yeah, yeah, with yeah. a helmet, are written are usually well written characters. Yeah. There's a show. There, there's a thing on YouTube called uh, uh there's a gummery a. Uh, a Gundam summary on YouTube and there's a little bit where they're basically just talking how at least eight different Gundam protagonists are just ripping off Char. You mean antagonists? That's what I meant to say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just how like a bunch of them are just trying to rip off Char or emulate And them. usually their characters are then just usually some subplot where they're actually against who they're working for. Yeah, exactly. So it's like... <laughs> Hey, how dare Gundam have a fucking billion dollar formula? I don't know about uh, billion dollars, but a lot of money. It works. It I'm works. never not bored. By Gundam. And I'm always down with the Char character. <laughs> but believe me, there's a lot of like, oh, hey, you see a dude with a silver mask, you usually pop up, and then you see the fucking rolling robot. And the blonde hair. Sometimes. Yes. Usually <laughs> the guy in the mask is blonde hair. Just <sighs> saying. So Where the, the fuck are we on Awesome Powers? Are we here to so talk about the, Gundam or are we here to talk about some fucking goofy 90s like comedy? So Dr. Evil says the laser is the key and it was invented by renowned physicist Dr. Parsons. So we shall call it the Alan Parsons Project. Project. Which like, wait, is that a it, like That is a band, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's got that it's Scott's it's Seth Green's like, that's a progressive rock band from 1982. Why don't you just call it Project Wang Chung? No, Operation Wang Chung. Scott, I don't need that from you. And then, like, Dr. Evil just starts bullying number two. Yeah, because number two's like, if we could put the family squabble aside, I would like to. And then, fucking, he's like, Dr. Evil is just like, I don't like your insolent tone. He's like, he's like, huh? You think you're bad or something? Is that it? You You want to be daddy? You You want to wear the daddy pants? And then, like, the big giant earth thing he was using for his demonstration he like grabs and starts bouncing that shit with like a basketball and hitting number two in the face with it he's like you're going to cry you're going to cry you feel like crying a little leakage out of there and then he shoots it into the holder like it's hoops he was the best character. He's the best. Oh, my God. So then Austin tells Shagwell that he lost his mojo. Yeah. He finds the Felicity to explain to her that he's like, she's shagadelic, but my schlong doesn't work. It's like, baby, you're shagadelic. Because at first there's the awkward tension. It's like, oh, I thought you didn't like me. He's like, oh, no, baby. I like you. Because my cock don't work. She's like, I didn't want to embarrass myself. She's like, oh, word? Dope. 
BT Dubs. Rad. BT I'm Dubs. I'm all doubt that Austin Dick. BT Dubs. I had to plant something on Fat Batcher to track him, but before she could tell him she had to shag him, they get the location. It's at some building, and there's a room in the building, and unfortunately, it's a toilet. And they find the beacons in the toilet. How dare you stick something up someone's butt, and then eventually they have to poop. See, I don't want realism in my Austin Powers movie, though. Oh, you're sure? Because then the next gross-ass gag. Oh, God. Because they're, like, in a lab, I don't and they're processing the this. turd. Yeah. And then Austin mix it, like grabs the fucking, like, thing of bastard turd and thought it was a coffee. Bastard turd. Yes. <laughs> friggin', he's drinking the freaking stool sample. At first, he's like, this coffee smells like shit. But Basil, who's there and knows what it is, like, he's like, uh, Austin, it is shit. Austin, uh, please, it's like, yeah, whatever. He drinks it, it's like, mmm, kind of nutty. Gross. And he had a mustache from it, too. Yes, he had a fucking turd stash. I don't want to... We're done with this. Yes. But they discovered Evil's locations on some volcano because of the stool sample. They found traces of something. Some rare fruit that only grows on the island. So back with Dr. Evil, he calls Washington, D.C., right? And he goes, he goes, I want you to give me 100 billion dollars and then they laugh at him and it's like, like bro it's 1969 that's not a real number okay fine one million dollars and then he shows a shot of independence day <laughs> they're like this is what their laser will look like on the white house yeah, he and was, it shows the shot and then they all like freak out it's like oh god are we all dead it's like i will no. show you the destructive power of my laser <laughs> it's funny because i'm like wait is at first i thought it was armageddon but i'm like wait isn't it independence day and he's like well that's not well that's not actually what it is that was from the movie independence day but it will look a lot like that also there was a scene where he paid homage to uh jerry mcguire wire show me the money mr president show you what money show me the money he he spat it out like a whole but at one point he's like something uh, i just know he was saying a lot in 90s slang to like these peeps from the year of alert 1960 he said something like i had to pop a cop <laughs> had to pop a cop and it's like oh this is either funny or cringy you take it I was, I was laughing i was cringing oh <laughs> <laughs> But then, yeah, so he he hangs up. I just like awkwardly smiles like on to the next scene. <laughs> but the Independence Day shot was hilarious. It <laughs> was really good. It was like an Internet video because it just cuts out of nowhere. And it's just fucking the White House blowing up from Independence Day. So Austin arrives to the evil island and we get the 007 bikini gag as they're both looking like uh, what's her face from... Uh, I don't remember all the Bond girls. Yes, but the classic white bikini. Yeah, was that from Bo- Doctor No? This or was it the one after? Uh, from Russia with Love. I think it might be that Ursula chick. I pretty. I feel like that I was Doctor Love because Doctor no, Love. The, fuck, I meant no. I thought that was Doctor No because that took place on an island. I thought. But either way, we get a freaking bikini like thing, the famous Bond girl bikini thing with yeah. both. Uh, Shagwell and Austin. Yeah, that's the joke. Is that ha, 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 I didn't ha, really ha. care because then the next me- immediate scene we cut to is fucking a musical number by uh, Doctor Evil. He's yeah, like, we just got him playing piano now. What if God was one of us, a slob like one? Of, I forget what it says, but then it's like blee blee blue 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 blue, and then they finish, and then Seth Green walks in holding a dead skunk and says, "Dad, he put this in my bed." And then, but and then uh, Doctor Evil's trying to be like, Mini Me, don't ever do that ever again. Oh, I can't stay mad at you, Mini Me. Mini Me, don't do that again. 
Oh, damn it. I can't stay mad at you, Minnie Me. Then after we cut, then after that, we cut to Austin and Felicity setting up camp and we get a really, really long butt gag. Yes, because there's like a shadow gag going and like free and Felicity's pulling stuff out of a bag while Austin's on all fours looking at a map. And then we yeah. see evil goons show up, but they're just seeing the shadows as like freaking Shagwells is pulling shit out. <laughs> like, so from well, there, it looks like she's pulling just random shit out of his yeah, butt. From and there, Austin's like playing like gagging along with it, too. So like the freaking guards are like, what the fuck's in his asshole? One guy straight up is just like, These people make me sick. <laughs> yeah from their perspective it looks like they're pulling out anal beads and an umbrella and then it looks like he farts then we cut back to dr evil where they tell him austin powers is on the island and then dr evil proceeds to rap over an r&b version of that old song just the two of us i didn't write down the lyrics i just wrote down it. now evil and mini me perform a song and dance never mind a central rap about scott rejecting him and mini me completes him that's all i got Oh, man, that was kind of dumb, and I'm looking back on Literally, it. Literally, we got two random musical numbers out of nowhere. I was like, what the fuck's going on? I'll admit the second one, I was just kind of like, okay, it feels a little like a waste of time, but it's Dr. Evil. So whatever, Austin and uh, Shagwell gets caught. And then in the lair... Yes. After... There was one more thing. Um, was there? Oh, yeah, there was one well, thing. Austin, there was I, one more thing where it looked like she was hammering a tennis racket into his ass. Yeah. And then the one guard who said the, they make him sick looked like he was about to cry. And then he gets just like, all right, put your hands up. And then, like, freaking Shagwell and Austin put their hands up. And then, like, freaking Velocity pull, like, pulls up the bag behind him and it looks like a bunch of shit drops out of his butthole. So they bring him to Dr. Evil, and then when they're there, Dr. Evil and Fat Bastard reveal to Austin that Fat Bastard totally sexed Felicity. And, and Austin's just like, what? He's like, she would never do that. And then Evil Felicity, has them. Well, no, you go, sorry. No, say, and then Evil just has them taken away. I just wrote down, and then, and then like Shagwell's just like, sorry, Austin, I had to do what I had to do. And it's like, ha ha, it's a reverse from last movie. Yeah, exactly. When Austin shagged. Some vagina. Lotta. A lot of vagina. Yes. When he shagged a lot of vagina, Vanessa was very disappointed with him. Now yes. it's flipped the switch. I'm like, oh, hey, this movie rewards me for paying attention and remembering stuff from the first movie. Good job. Callbacks. Nice. <sighs> so then after that happened, um, and evil has him taken away. And Scott points out that, you know, he's like, powers is just going to escape. You're just going to have have them be guarded by one inept guard. And then, yeah. And then there's a pause. Scott, I've been a freaking evil scientist for 30 freaking years. I know what I'm doing. Then he gets ready to go to the moon and has the German lady do the countdown. Like she starts at 10, but he's like, okay, that's a little too quick. starts at five. And then she goes to 30. And then she gets to 13. He's like, you know what? When the doors close, uh, just just say go. Because she's shouting all of them. Five, four, three. And I'm like, okay. and I'm like, okay, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then she does it from 30 and she gets to 13. I'm like, I hate you, movie. That joke might have gone a little too long. <laughs> I think a lot of these jokes kind of go a little too long. It's a little time. better than the but first this movie, movie. Yes. So this movie is better than the first one. The first They're one, better at the long jokes than the first movie. Yes. But yeah. So then Dr. Evil totally goes like to space, you guys. And then. And we like, get maybe the best joke in the franchise. And we get, oh God, the penis rocket gag. So when a rare guy tells his commander, he says, uh, sir, look at this. What is that? I don't know, but it looks like a giant. Then we cut to a jet. 
Dick. Then the man named Dick responds, what? Look, look at that. Oh my God. It looks like a massive cut to two bird watchers. Pekka. Huh? Where? Wait, no, that's not a woodpecker. It looks like someone's cut to a drill sergeant talking to soldiers. Privates! <laughs> we have reports of, a, of an unidentified flying object. It has a long, smooth shaft, complete with cut to a kid's softball game, and an umpire says, two balls. Wait, wait a minute. What is that? It looks like an enormous cut to the People's Republic of China, which I think it was still called that at the time. <laughs> and then a teacher goes, Wang. Pay attention. I'm sorry. I was distracted by that enormous flying. Cut to some dude and Willie fucking Nelson. You mean Woody Harrelson? No, that was no, the that next was later. Day. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, Willie, what's that? And then Willie fucking Nelson goes, well, it looks like a giant. And then all back where it started with the two dudes. Johnson, call British intelligence. <laughs> that was great. Also, oh, yeah, th- also, does Willie Nelson always have, has Willie Nelson just looked like he's 80 for the last like 30 years? Yes. He just has he ever looked young? No, I feel like not he's in my never, lifetime. I feel like he's never looked young. So then, yeah, awesome. Uh, they get thrown into the death trap. Yes, they're in the, the death trap, thing. and like forgetting him and Shagwell are having a moment. They argue over the law, a lava, but they make up. And then Austin tells like a very elaborate long plan as like how they're gonna like lure the guard out, like subdue him, and then like get out of there. And then Shagwell just goes, "Here, I have a better plan." She shows her boobs. The guy is hypnotized by her booze and he falls into the lava. And then Austin and Shagwell escape before Austin says a bunch of awkward freaking burn guy puns. I didn't write them down. Bro, after you did enough justice with the fucking <laughs> with the fucking dick, like the freaking like penis like yeah, yeah, yeah. slang. That was a really good joke. Oh, dude, that's a classic. So then on the moon base, um, Evil addresses his team and they're about ready to fire the laser. And then Dr. Evil's chair, I wrote here, starts acting like a Disneyland teacup. Yes, and he's like, freaking, the power of Christ compels you. I need an old priest and I need a young priest. The power of Christ compels you. My damn chair is possessed by the devil. So yeah, a uh, very long chair gag. <sighs> They're really doing a lot of these long-standing gags here. Yeah, they didn't really start doing it until like, Near the end here, I'm like, did you guys run out of ideas halfway through the fucking script? Fuck, bro. Well, either way, Austin then, like, friggin', like... Then Austin and Shagwell get in a rocket and they launch to space. Yeah, they just get Then we get rocket. another fucking chair gag of Mini-Me getting launched out of the chair, getting stuck in the rafters. Mini-Me! It's like, get the pole. Get the pole. Get the pole. Don't worry, Mini-Me. Describe the pole, Mini-Me. It's okay. If you died... Well, I would probably just replace you from another, with another clone, but there would at least be a 10-second period where I would be inconsolable. <laughs> so they get to the so they get to the moon base or whatever. Yeah, they um, land on the moon. They walk inside, and then uh, Austin sees Evil's shadow through like a glass window. He shoots at it, but then just finds Mini-Me, and then we get a pretty entertaining Austin-Mini-Me fight. Like it's a fight, yeah, but Mini Me kicks Austin's ass for you see the moves he was playing? He's doing a drop toll hold, he's giving him elbow drops. At one point he bit him in the dick. I wrote here, yo, Mini Me should have had a run in New Japan. No, but it's pretty funny when freaking Austin throws Mini Me in a friggin' pole and we hear a bunk. I laughed. I don't know why. Subtle just bunk <laughs> subtle just sounds just eh, bunk. Well, it's cause you had Mini Me fucking actually. Bro, this picking- was a Looney Tunes fight here. Yeah, you had tiny Mini Me straight up picking up Austin and spinning him around. And then you had like just Austin occasionally just throwing him like a rag doll. And one time when he had him knocked out, he was like, 
poor little bugger. Just a poor little bugger. Then he jumps up and stuff. And then what happens? He next, bites his dick. Yeah. And then eventually he crawls into Austin's suit. But then Austin goes to a near toilet because Minnie is behind him. And then he sits on the freaking toilet and then shits out Minnie Me in the space. And we just hear Minnie Me floating out in space going, Poor little bugger. So he goes into the main room to confront Dr. Evil and uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. Shagwell's captured. In a death trap. And Austin has to choose. He's like, mm, are you going to stop me from destroying the world? Or are you going to save? Or are you going to save the world, or save Felicity, or save your girlfriend? Whatever. So he, so he's able to disarm the laser, but Felicity like actually straight up dies. They're like, oh shit! He gives chase to Doctor Evil and wounds him, but Doctor Evil says, basically says, well, you could kill me, or you could use the time machine to save Felicity. Oh, and there's also you know hilarious Star Wars gag where he's using a voice box in a suit. Oh yeah, he tries to be like. Austin, I am your father. Really? No. Yeah, I just <laughs> But either way, Austin, there's a time machine. You could go back in time and save Felicity, or you can let me escape. And actually, Austin shoots him in the leg. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But either way, Austin just realizes, fuck it, I'm using this time machine. I'm going to go save Felicity. So he goes back like 10 minutes in the past or whatever to save Felicity and like... We get an Austin meets Austin gag and he's like, damn, you're one really handsome bastard. We're, we're sexy bitches. Ha, ah, yes. And everyone's like, oh shit, there's two Austins. But either way, freaking one Austin, like, they were able to stop the laser from blowing up, <laughs> watching, blowing up the White House and then Austin was able to save Felicity. Were you thinking of Independence Day when you said blow up the White House? Because <laughs> that made me laugh. And then, yeah, and then after that... But um, then, like, freaking, like, evil, the maniacal bastard he is, is like, Austin, I have your mojo. Oh, wait. Oops. He throws the <laughs> mojo up in the air, and both the Austins try to go for it. But freaking, like, it lands and crashes on the floor. And eventually, like, the, the whole layer is exploding, and the main Austin is trying to, like, lick the mojo off the ground, and if... One and the other Austin's like, we need to go now. The place is blowing up. And Felicity's like, you need to go. It's like, baby, my mojo. I'm nothing without my mojo. You but had the mojo all along, Austin. You saved the world. You stopped, you stopped the villain. Through, and you saved me. You always had the mojo. Oh, behave. I don't know if he said oh, oh behave. But yeah, he. And then either yeah. way, they hop in the time machine and bounce out of the evil lair. So then they head back to the year 1997. Oh, yeah, the base blows up. <laughs> oh, yeah, base, space base blows up. Space base. He actually, so he convinces her to come to the 90s with him because of the fact that, um, says, but I want to see what happens during the 70s and 80s. He says, not much happens. I looked into it. There was a gas shortage and a flock of seagulls. That's about it. Uh, for sure. And so, um, and so yeah, they're, they go back to his love shack in 1990, whatever the fuck. 1999. And, and then they, um, and then <laughs> this was, this was funny. They hear a knock at the door. It's like, knock, knock. And then fat bastard just comes through the door. He just busts through the door. And then they're, <clears throat> and then he's like, I'm going to kill you. Or I, I forget why he wants to kill him. He shows but. up trying to assassinate them, but they were able to talk to him. And like Felicity asked him, are you happy? He's like, no, I'm... <laughs> He's like, no. Oh, I got to do the strike voice. Don't care. What are you doing in my swamp? Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, no, I'm not happy. All I'm fat and all I do is eat. And I'm unhappy because I eat. And I'll eat because I'm unhappy. 
I'll need to, I need to, there's a journey. I need to forgive someone. And it's myself. Now who am I kidding? I'm going to kill you anyway. And then he gets kicked in the dick. And then we get an Austin 60s style swinger dance party. I forgot there was also another line. I haven't seen my Willie in two years. That's long enough for me to declare it legally dead. <laughs> that was a great line. Oh, fuck. That is a great line. I totally miss. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie in a week. Whatever. Swing your party. And then we're back to the rocket gag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you get this one? I did. Yeah. So Dr. Evil gets away in a rocket, right? And they're like. Shaped like a penis. The shape like a penis, right? And then, um, yeah, the commander's asking his person. He's like, did we get Dr. Evil? No, he got away in this rocket ship that looks like a giant. We cut to a classroom and a teacher lady says, penis. That's how she says it. The male reproductive organ, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the male reproductive organ, also known as tallywhacker, schlong, and, and then cuts to a cookout, wiener. Any you kids want another wiener? Kids see ship. Dad, what's that? I don't know, but it's got great big, cut to a local baseball game, nuts, hot, tasty nuts. Who wants some? Lord almighty. There's a lady next to the guy. That looks just like my husband's cut to a circus show. One-eyed monster. <laughs> what Come see monster. the one-eyed monster. And then he comes out and he goes, whoa, that looks like a big cut to Woody fucking Harrelson. Woody. <laughs> Woody Harrelson. Can I have your autograph? Oh, sure. Oh, Lord. Look at that thing. It's so big. Yeah, I've seen bigger. That's cut to Dr. Evil giving me, me a flu shot. Just a little prick. <laughs> You've been in the coldness of space. I don't want you to catch a cold. I don't want you catching a cold. And then, yeah, he swears, I'll get you, Austin Powers. And then, yeah, movie's over. Movie's over, but in the credits, we get another Jerry Springer scene. Oh, I didn't catch that. Oh, yeah, no. It's literally, it's like it's like him and Scott. He's talking to Scott, and then freaking the screaming lady, whose name is Fran, comes out, and then she admits, Scott, I'm your mom. Me and Evil, shag me and evil Shagged, and thus... We thought like we were t you were told that you were genetically engineered out of like friggin' evil sperm, but no. Me and him shagged and thus I am your mom. And then I'm like sitting there, I was like, so Scott's looking like a 14 year old mall goth at the age of 29. That is evil. I know. That's a certain kind of evil. And then, like, the credits keep rolling. I think I was just chilling. And then we find, like, friggin' like, Austin gets into his room and finds Felicity is having sex. And he goes, like, oh, no, Felicity's having sex. And finds out she's having sex with the other Austin. And then they're just like, well, it's kind of not cheating because that is me. So then it's like, screw it. Let's decide to have a threesome. That's funny because I forgot on the space station, the past also was like, so what's the going rate on on, on menage a trois? <laughs> and uh, they went and have a menage a trois. So yeah, Austin Powers 2. Well, you know, Spy Who Shagged Me. The Spy Who Shagged Me. Better than the first one. Oh I, God, yes. I felt like until the point between them being on the camp, uh the beach to them to them being on the moon i thought they were a lot better at managing the long gags i thought the opening gag where he was naked went on a it went on like four minutes yeah almost. but that was like also the opening credits too. right 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 but besides i thought they were better at managing that it kind of felt like they just ran out of ideas halfway through the movie though and they had to pat it out but yeah no i i thought it was more consistently funny than the first one 
I don't know if that's a controversial opinion. I don't know like what the going rate is on public opinion of these Austin Powers movies, but I mean, that's a good movie. Ah, uh, screw it. Next one we're watching Goldmember. Yeah, which good friend Dylan says he wants to be here for. Oh fuck, that's right. We need to bring him in on that one. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a minute. That's on you to make sure he watch it, rewatches it or something. He said he's watched it a bunch. I think he remembers the movie by heart. But do you trust him? Who gives a fuck? I'll bring him in. Make sure you tell him. Now, Dylan, we're going to be talking about the movie. We're not going to be reacting to the movie. Oh, you and me will see him tomorrow physically, <laughs> and we can describe that to him in person. So for those that don't remember, a long time ago, we brought him on for a Rock of Love episode, but he thought we like watched it as we podcasted. He didn't know that we took notes and talked about it, so he didn't save us during the episode, and Chances kind of held that against him ever since. Yeah, I was so pissed. I'm like, <laughs> you made me set up an unnecessary mic for something. You like talk for a little bit, and then for the whole entire show, I just have a whole track going with just a solid one line because there's nothing coming out of his mouth. Dylan's a gimmick. Yes, he is a fucking gimmick. All right, listeners. I think this is it for a show. Yeah. We'll be back next week with the Ospire's Gold member. We'll also be reviewing Talking Heads, like, was it? 77. So their debut. I think it was. Whatever, hot or not. And then, yeah, we'll also try to bring in good friend Dylan because he's watched that movie a bunch of times. Oh, we get to have Dylan on listen to some pop music and he and he gets to decide whether or not he wants to be that metal gatekeeper who's like, oh, I hate the shitty pop stuff. Well, I only have two headphones. Maybe I could get another one. I don't know. My second like headphone slot over here is kind of crapped out, but I'll just have you guys listen to it. I can always listen to the song prior. That's true. Either way, we'll make it work. But other than that, listeners, this is the Doctor at Danger Radio Show with your host, James and Edward. I got to take a shit, so. Adios. Adios.